years of working with donors, I've found that there's three different types of donors out there. And if you're empathetic to the type of donor that you're talking to, you can get so much more money because they'll get excited about what you're doing, but you have to approach them the, the right way. The three types of donors to help you be more empathetic are... Hi everyone, Tristan McIver here, Program Advisor with AMC MPO Solutions. Today on the Strategic Nonprofit, we will be gaining valuable insight from the perspective of a donor. I've invited Sybil Ackerman Munson on the podcast today. Sybil owns her own consulting firm for philanthropic institutions and works closely with over 20 donors on a regular basis to support their interests. She also knows what it means to be a grantee. Welcome to the Strategic Nonprofit Podcast, Sybil. Here at AMC, we do a lot of live webinars and virtual training for nonprofits across Canada. If you're looking for virtual governance training or strategic planning for your NPO, drop me a message and I'll be happy to go over options with you. More details are in the show notes. Can you uh, share with our listeners a little bit more about what you do at Do Your Good and your role there? Yeah. And the, before I even do that, I want to just, oh, I love all my Canadian friends and I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing in Canada. My husband was born in Thunder Bay. My stepdaughter goes to UBC and I just, I just so appreciate Canada. Big shout out to my friends there. So let's, let's get into it, but I just couldn't help it. I had to say that when I saw everything that you were doing in Canada. So Aww, thank you so much. <laughs> we really appreciate it. But yes, yeah, so essentially I created Do Your Good, my business, because I really focus in on supporting nonprofits to get their pitches correct so that they can raise money effectively. I specifically work with donors. I work with people who give money away to important nonprofits every single day. And I also every single day get pitched by nonprofits. And I process up to 200 proposals a year for my clients. And I've done this for over a decade. And I got so much information in my head about what are the best pitches to make? And also with donors, how can they be really effective with their giving strategies? And I wanted to share it way more than just with my clients. I wanted to share it with the world. And that's why I created Do Your Good. And that's why I'm talking to you today. So I'm happy to talk more. Perfect. No, yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, I'm curious to know what happens after an organization submits a proposal or um, grant application to, to a donor? Well, I guess the first thing I want to talk about there is I love the question because by the time you submit a proposal, that's way into your process. I mean, the first thing that you need to do, as you probably know really well, is you need to make a connection with that donor so that by the time you submit your proposal, you're relevant they care about you, and you're going to be able to streamline through that process and actually get money on the other end. And so um, I've listened to some of your other podcasts where you talk with some experts. Catherine was one of them on your September 13th podcast, where she had some wonderful advice. I found myself talking to myself while I was listening to it going, yeah, 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 yeah. So the kind of thing that's super important is even before you submit, make yourself relevant. And so I've created a course myself 
called Be Real. And it's really focusing in on the four key elements to get you relevant so that by the time you submit that proposal, you're really somebody who's going to get the money. So with my Be Real piece, the R stands for relevant. We can talk about how what special tips and tricks you can do to get relevant. The E stands for have empathy, be empathetic to the donor. The A stands for making sure that you're thinking about things from abundance, a place of abundance. And the L is about leveling up, making sure you're treating the donor not like a transaction, but rather like somebody who's a real person so that they can lean in and engage with you. So that's what Be Real is all about. Well, let's talk about the first piece, which is really important. And how do you get relevant? It's not about submitting a proposal at the end. Being relevant is about making sure that your organization's mission is directly in line with what you think this donor is going to care about. And that means that you have a relationship with that donor way before you're ever asking them for money. Then in order to stay relevant, what I found as the the best fundraisers do this for me and almost, but very few do, which is why I'm going to offer this to you, is once you know what the donor is interested in, Whenever there's a trending news story or something that you know is out there that people are reading about that's relevant to what your organization is doing, don't just send out broadcast emails. Don't just update your website. Of course, you should do that. But what you should also do is you should send a personalized email or if you have time and the donor is super important, hop on the phone and give them a phone call explaining to them exactly how your organization is helping to deal with the issue in the trending news story. This is so important. And out of the 200 or so proposals I process and daily pitches I get, I probably only four or five or six of the folks that I know do this well. So that's the part that is really important because don't assume that your donors automatically know what you at the nonprofit are doing with that trending news story. And they're going to pay attention all of a sudden. And my, the donors I work for give me a phone call. They're like, oh, I just read this in the paper, Sybil. What's XYZ group doing? And because I'm an expert in the issues, I can help them and tell them. But if you at the nonprofit are proactively doing that, then that really helps. And this is true even if this person, the donor, has never given you a cent, but you, you're trying to get them to in the future. So that's the part of being relevant. Make sure that you're relevant to the trending news stories, the things that are going forward, and make sure you connect the dots for donors in ways that I actually don't see that many nonprofits do. And when they do do it, they're really effective. Mm -hmm. The second piece is the E, the be empathetic. And in my years of working with donors, I've found that there's three different types of donors out there. And if you're empathetic, to the type of donor that you're talking to, you can get so much more money because they'll get excited about what you're doing, but you have to approach them the, the right way. The three types of donors to help you be more empathetic are, the first one is a donor that I call a sustainer donor. A sustainer donor loves your organization, loves your mission, goes to your outings, goes to your annual meeting. Let's say they love bird watching and your organization does bird watching trips. 
then that's a, a sustainer donor is like, I'm going on all your bird watching trips and I'm funding you year after year. The main thing you have to do there for a sustainer donor is all the stereotypical stuff you usually do. Make sure you stay relevant, make sure you invite them to all the key things. They're great donors and they're actually the kind of donor most nonprofits think about when they think about a donor. But there's two other types of donors that you'll lose at hello if you don't approach them in a different way. The second type of donor is called a campaigner donor. A campaigner donor cares more about the issue than they do about any one nonprofit. They're worried about things like climate change or houselessness. You name the issue, they're worried about that issue and they want to fund to be able to make a make movement on that issue. They think that there's a serious societal norm that needs to change, something like that. So if you go into them and you talk to them just about how great your group is and you have these great bird watching trips, you're going to lose them at hello. Instead, if they say, you know, Sybil, let's pretend I'm the person in the nonprofit, Sybil, I'm really worried about climate change. Then what you do as that person, you say, oh, great. Well, our organization is working on XYZ project on that issue. And this is how we're moving the dial on it. And then, you know, in the future too, to like make sure that you're sending personalized emails and other things just around that issue, not nothing else, because that campaigner donor will be like, they don't even know who I am. Why are they like telling me stuff about bird watching trips? I don't care about that. So that's the campaigner donor. The other thing is you have to be okay with the fact that that donor really doesn't care about your group per se. They care about the issue. So if you tell them, oh, you need to give me general support money year after year and everything, they're, they're, you're going to lose them at hello. They'll go to a different group that's getting this, the job done on those issues, even though you probably are too working on those issues. A third kind of donor is what I call a launcher donor. Launcher donors, like campaigner donors, care about an issue. They care about an issue very much. They want to make change the societal norm. They care about climate change. They care about houselessness but they wanna launch something. They wanna find the gap. They wanna find the place where no one's ever thought of it before. And they wanna be like, let's fill in that gap. So if you know as a nonprofit person that you're talking to somebody who wants to fill in the gaps, then what you do is you're an expert on that issue. You know what the gaps are. So you say, oh my gosh, there's this big gap and we really need it filled. Can you help us? And can you partner with some other funders to help us? And let's do it. Let's fill in the gap together. And a launcher donor usually puts in three to five years of funding, a, a bigger chunk of funding in the beginning, and then they taper off in the hopes that whatever that gap is, it's filled and they'll still keep funding a little bit smaller amounts, but then they'll expect you to be able to raise more money from other people for it too. So you'll work with them on that plan. So that's empathy of the real. <laughs> so relevant, empathy. And so now you're really rocking it, right? So you're relevant to the donor. You know what kind of donor you're talking to. And then the A is all about talking about your issues from a place of abundance. And I heard, like I said, other podcast interviews you've done where you've talked about this as well. It is so important. So while I know all my nonprofit friends, you have strategic plans, you need to make the, your budget, but you get me as somebody who represents donors, very excited when you're talking about your big, bold vision. Now, of course, when you're asking for money, you don't want to just like raise money for random stuff. You want to stick with your strategic plan, but keep talking about that big, bold vision. Get me excited first, then talk about how you're going to reach it through your one year, two year, three year plan where you need funding. Because I really, I know a lot of nonprofit 
folks do this really well. This is not an issue in a lot of places, but if you don't do it well, then you really do leave a lot of money on the table. So that's key. So then the last part of real is L, level up. <laughs> and the leveling up is essentially like get it to the next level, which is don't treat me and my donor friends like we are a transaction. Don't come to me with a big laundry list and just say, here's everything we're doing. Which things are you going to maybe be interested in and how can we apply? It just doesn't work that way. Talk to me. If you've done the R, the E, and the A of the real, then the L part, the leveling up, is pretty natural because then you know how to talk to me. But if you come in with your laundry list and you just sort of say, okay, which things will your folks you work for fund? It's not going to work. It doesn't work because first it makes me feel like I'm out there in just a bank teller. And I, I'm actually trying to give you and the people I work for trying to give you funding because we care about your issue. And the other reason it doesn't work is usually you're talking to one person who they are all, almost always talking with one or two other people before they do a donation, either their spouse, their partner, if they're on a foundation board, there's other trustees. I'm a consultant or a person that has been a staff of foundations. So I can't tell you right then which things are 100% going to be funded. And so what you do is you end up having me have to take a step back and be less excited if you're like, what do you have? What do you have? You know, so make it much more of a partnership. So that's the real, that's, that's the be real part. And I have, I'm creating these special mini spotlight courses that are going to focus in on each one of those four pieces this fall um, so that folks can like dig into even more of those pieces and get templates and think about those things more in the future. So it's really fun. I'm enjoying this so much. So thanks for asking about that. I really, thank you. I really um, appreciate uh, your distinction between the three different types of donors. I think it's, and, and the ways to approach them. I think that's uh, very helpful um, for our listeners to know because there are different ways to approach and there are different ways to give. You did mention about talking to somebody in the organization. Now, talking to an administrative assistant over the CEO, over a board member, what, what would you suggest, you know, would be the, the best way to get through a gatekeeper or to know you're on the conversation with the right person? Okay. So I want to ask that. I think that you, I can answer that question both as a nonprofit person and then also as a donor, because it matters on both sides. Okay. So Let's talk about it. If I was a nonprofit person, and and I have been, just to be clear, I, I worked as a nonprofit fund person who was fundraising for my projects for over a decade before I then flipped and became a person who worked for donors to give money away. <laughs> so both sides of the aisle there. Um, so if you are a nonprofit person and you want to raise money for your organization, it can be pretty complicated for you to figure out who at the foundation you should talk to. And there's so many things to think about there because every foundation is structured differently. But the most important thing is to first try at least to understand how the foundation is structured. So if it's a foundation that essentially has, and you can usually tell on the websites, the foundation will have, if the foundation has a website, it'll usually say the trustees are X, Y, Z, that kind of thing. 
if um, the website has a list of trustees and then it has a, a list of staff and you don't know already personally any of the trustees, you're gonna to wanna to reach out to the staff or the consultant who's identified as the expert person in your issue. You're not necessarily gonna to wanna to reach out just to trustees cold calling them because in, this isn't again, the no, everything's not always the same, but usually foundation trustees, if they have staff and they've invested in staff and consultants, they will find it a little bit um, out of line for you to directly go to them if you haven't already gone through the staff. And in, you could inadvertently say something or hurt your, hurt your cause even by just going straight to them. The staff are there and the consultants are there to help you, to help you navigate and to help you as gatekeepers to help bring your best foot forward when you do talk with the trustees. You may never actually talk with the trustees. You may have a great staff person who's your biggest ally and they're the ones that go into the trustee meetings and they can be very convincing and support you. Um, so it's really important to see the staff and the consultants as your ally. I am a consultant also, and I can see when it works really well is when the nonprofits see me as an ally and I can really help them. And that's what I'm there for is to help them and help the trustees connect the dots. It also means though, if there's a nonprofit that's not a fit for one of the trustees I work for, then if I'm telling you as a nonprofit person, you're not really a fit for this foundation you're probably going to want to take my word for it. It's, it doesn't, you probably aren't going to want to go around me and then hit up the trustee because the trustee is, is usually the trustee, especially with those harder conversations, trustees aren't really that excited about doing those conversations. And so if you see staff reach out to them first, if you already know a trustee, then definitely, or someone on your board knows a trustee, then definitely reach out and have coffee with them. But that's the first word of sort of caution I have for you is how to navigate that if there's staff. If there's no staff at the foundation and you can see that there's a trustee list, definitely reach straight out to the trustee because it means usually they wanna, they wanna be directly connected up with. Um, so the other thing that I wanna say is me as a consultant, and I have been staffed to found a foundation as well before I was a consultant for many family foundations. Um, I love it myself when a nonprofit is really in a good relationship with one or more of my trustees. So ultimately what you want is a good relationship directly with trustees as well as staff. But what I'd advise to you is that you have the staff or consultants be the navigator to help that relationship flourish. Because a lot of times, like I said before, the trustees are super busy. You, you want to come forward and talk to trustees about what you know they'd be interested in and the staff and consultants usually know what that is. So yeah, there's an interesting dynamic there, but it's really, really important that, that there's like fluidity and conversation around how that all works. What you definitely don't want to have happen is, is you're talking to a trustee and the trustee gets, you say something that's like not so wonderful and the trustee then gives me a call and says, this person just reached out to me, but, but what were they saying? You know? And then if you haven't talked to me first about it, then I, I can, I try to help, but I can't always help because it, it I don't know what's going on either. <laughs> so sometimes what'll happen too, is a trustee will reach out directly to a nonprofit group and not even call me up, which is totally fine. I love that. 
Um, and But what will happen that's nice is usually that nonprofit person will give me a call and say, hey, X person just gave me a call. So well, I just want you to know and we're going to chat. And I'm like, that's great, because then I can also circle back with with my clients and say, hey, I heard you're talking with X person at this nonprofit. Um, happy to help out too if there's any follow-up questions you have. It's usually all very dynamic and positive, um, but it, but that's the way to think about it in that way. If there's an individual donor, like I said, that's one-on-one relationships all the way, but the foundations can be a little more complicated. Yeah, no, it sounds like creating an ally is the way to go. A champion, yeah, yeah. champion for your cause. Now, of course, as a staff or a consultant of a foundation, we are very careful not to like, because I work with donors specifically, we're very careful not to um, try to like just push a group on the trustees if we don't feel it's it's got to come from the trustees. They've got to say, we want to do X. The thing that's really cool though, and I love it when I'm this is happening, when a trustee has said, Sybil, I care about X issue, climate change in Oregon, which is where I'm from right now. So I care about climate change in Oregon. Do you know any groups that care about this too? And because I do all this research and I've been out there in the field and talked to so many nonprofits, I'm like, oh, yay, I know like 10 of them you should talk to. And so we can really connect the dots there, which is really great. Oh, that's great. No, that's amazing and excellent uh, insight um, that you've shared today. I really, I really appreciate um, all the work that you've done too uh, in the past to. Uh, help foundations and help donors and uh, also, you know, from the not-for-profit community as well. Thank you. So is there anything else that you wanted to share that, um, that you haven't touched on uh, already? Gosh, so many things. Oh my goodness. But I'll try to be short because I know this is just a podcast. So we don't have time for tons of things, but I guess the other thing I want to think about is, and, and talk about is, is how special it is to like think through how to give effectively on the donor side. Um, And I just want to share my personal story with my personal journey, because I just, I just feel like it, it was a really, it's a really good example of how to give effectively and how to maybe be a nonprofit person that's able to reach out to donors. So I worked in the nonprofit world in the natural resources and environmental world. um, And, and the person who there was a donor that was funding my work on all the different jobs I had, I was doing various things to work on habitat issues, climate change issues. And then one day about 10 years in, he said, Sybil, would you like to come run my foundation? Because I've been running it as well as being a trustee. I still wanna be a trustee, he said, but will you run it for me full time? And I said, you're kidding me, I'd love to. I wanna go over there and do that, that'd be great. And so he purposely picked a, a nonprofit advocate to then run his foundation. And then when he had me move over to run his foundation, he said, okay, Sybil, you need to think of yourself as an activist with money. You need to think of yourself as someone who's gonna really be in there and support the nonprofits because you've been there for 10 years. You can really help out in that way. And so this actual, this donor, and I didn't know it then because I've now worked for so many other folks, I didn't know it then, but he is a campaigner type of donor all the way. Um, and really wants to move the needle on environmental issues. And so that's my training at first was the campaigner type of donor. And I actually didn't didn't realize it then, like I said, but then over time, I've started working for more different kinds of donors. Some are sustainer, some are launchers, some are campaigners. 
And it's been a really interesting journey there to sort of think through those pieces. But I just wanted to say that like the, that leading in and you all in the nonprofit world, if, if you have nonprofit listeners that are listening, you're doing great work. And in the future, you also might be able to help donors even more if you even transition over to this side of the aisle where you're then trying to give money to the work that you care about too. So it's possible to do it on both sides. Great. Well, thank you. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and to learn more about um, Sybil and uh, what she does. Uh, we'll have some information in the show notes. Great. Thanks so much, Trista. It's been a pleasure.